The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 80. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Timothy. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we continue with 1 Timothy in Chapter 2 today, we find out that it's probably better to read a book before you decide to do it on a podcast like this one, because this particular chapter I may have avoided if I had thought about the fact that there were things in it that are going to be controversial. So we're going to try and see if we can address them in a way that will make nobody happy. So, continuing on in Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, Instructions on Worship. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. So this is the easiest part of this particular chapter. So Paul is encouraging us to pray for everyone, but particularly for those in authority. Kings, we might say presidents or prime ministers, depending on where we live, but that we might live good and quiet lives. Now, Paul would possibly be, by the time this letter is written, under the leadership of Nero, who would later execute Paul. So there's no excuse here that, well, I'm a Republican and your president's a Democrat, or I'm a Democrat and the president's a Republican. This is a call for all believers to pray for everyone, and particularly those in authority, no matter how much we agree with them, or maybe particularly if we disagree with them. And Paul tells us that This quiet lives and godliness and holiness is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. So if you weren't sure, this is one of those places where Paul is specific that it is his understanding that it is God's desire that everyone be saved. That's not going to happen, but that's still the desire of God is that reconciliation and saving of everyone. It's one God, one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. Christ, remember, is a title the Christ would be the anointed one of God. Jesus would be his name. So Jesus the Christ or Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom. Testimony given in the proper time. So Paul says for all that reason he was appointed a herald, one who spreads the news, an apostle, one who sent. So and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. And then he goes on to say, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. And then this is where we start getting into trouble in our society. And so we're going to go over this a little more carefully, but I'm going to read what Paul says. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But woman will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. So, as far as we know from Paul's own writings, Paul is a bachelor, and this particular chapter tells us why. Let's look at this. 
And let's figure out how much of this is cultural and how much of this is not. And that's a place where the church does not agree. So we're entering in a place that you should know that you won't find agreement between Christians on what these verses mean and whether they apply today or not. So let's look at the first part. The first part is easier. It wants women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Now, why is that? What's the society that he's writing this to? I'm using as a reference here an article from apologeticspress.org, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes at thebiblestudypodcast.com. In the first century, according to this article, many women plating elaborate hair designs that would take hours to construct and weave. One writer in describing such first century hair designs wrote, Talk about high maintenance. During the late first century, the Flavian style of Julia, daughter of Titus, fashioned the court with curls and arranged on crescent-shaped wire frames. The back of the hair was divided into sections braided then curled. Sometimes hair was coiled without braiding. Apparently, some women were turning the worship assemblies into fashion shows, attempting to one-up their contemporaries with flashy, expensive clothes and costly gold jewelry. Instead of this godliness, Paul instructs the women to adorn themselves in that which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, Paul here is particularly picking on women, but this isn't that different from the theme that Jesus has when he talks about the hypocrites and their public worship that they're in it for themselves. They're in it for being seen as they stand in the synagogues and pray just so that everybody would see them. So I think it's fair to say that this sort of instruction about what are we trying to get out of worship and what are we doing and are we trying to put the focus on us really does apply to both men and women. And we're really encouraged that modesty, that we're not supposed to be the center of attention. That's not what worship is about. And then the particular verses here that are talking about decency and propriety and modesty, we also have to remember that in this particular society, the Ephesian society, that every temple, or at least many of the temples, had behind them a brothel. And so also I think the women are being asked to not dress that way, to not dress in ways that are provocative. And I think that's still appropriate for both men and women today. That's not really what worship is supposed to be about. And while I'm tempted to do the closing at that part to avoid this last paragraph, let's look at what this says. Paul says women should be in full submission. They should be quiet. They shouldn't teach. They must be silent. Okay, this is a place where the church hasn't figured out exactly how to interpret what Paul's saying. And some take it very literally. Women are not allowed to teach in certain denominations. Now, One thing we should be careful of is Paul does say that this is something, this is his rule. He very seldom, I can't think of another place where he does, points out that this is something that he is saying rather than something that God is saying. So let's put a little bookmark there that perhaps this is something that was Paul's rule. But why is Paul doing this? Let's go back to that first phrase, a woman should learn. We don't look at that today as a revolutionary phrase, but it would be for Paul coming out of a Jewish background. That wasn't just, if a woman should learn, then a woman should learn in silence. That was, a woman should learn. Paul had several of his traveling companions, or the people who had influence on churches who were women, We think of Lydia, where the church met in her house. We think of Phoebe, who was a deacon. There wasn't even a word for deaconess. We think of 
Priscilla and Aquila, always mentioned in that order, and we assume that Priscilla is from a influential family. And certainly they were both, not just Aquila, the guy, but Priscilla also, co-workers with Paul and some of his closest fellow ministers. So we have to be a little careful here that we don't pull this out of context and say Paul's not in favor of women learning, because that's not the case, that's not what he's saying, and that it's inconsistent with his ministry. Remember, he grew up being taught that it wasn't even proper for him to talk to women outside of the home, outside of his wife. But he did. He finds Lydia, for instance, a seller of purple, a businesswoman, and he starts the church with her. And I'm going to quote here from another external resource, and this is a book, Why Not Women? In fact, the phrase silence and submission was a frequent formula in the Near East for a model student. Before, throughout, and after Paul's time, rabbis agreed that silence was an admirable attribute for the pious scholar. As Simon, the son of Gamaliel, Gamaliel was the one who trained Paul and one of the greatest teachers at that time in Judaism, explained, All of my days I grew up among the sages. I have found nothing better for a person than silence. Any people must have a teachable attitude. This is normal for every disciple. Paul's words made it clear that there would be no difference for a woman than it was for a man who wished to learn. Now, that's a very different interpretation than we usually put on these words. But it might be, and this is something worth considering, that if women were not normally included in teaching and now were being included, that there was special instruction needed for women who weren't used to how they should behave. Now, I have a hard time with Paul's words in this particular paragraph because I have seen the Holy Spirit give gifts of teaching to women. And my understanding of the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is for the building up of the church and for the equipping of the saints. So this is probably going to be one of those verses, one of those chapters where we're going to have to live with some tension that Christians don't agree I also have a little trouble with Paul's whole Eve is the one who was deceived because Adam tried that one in the garden. He said, the woman you gave me, God, gave me the apple. And he was still thrown out of the garden too. So I'm afraid I'm not going to wrap this particular chapter up in a nice, neat bow. But again, I think like the beginning of this chapter where we look at modesty and we looked at motives, I would be careful how we apply any of these verses at what motives are behind the application. If someone is applying these verses that in that church that they attend that women are not allowed to teach because they're trying to be faithful to Scripture, I understand that. I may disagree, but I understand that. And I definitely would recommend that you carefully put this in the context of all what Paul said and also what we learn about his own personal mission, his own personal ministry from the book of Acts and from the greetings and places in the other letters. With that, we're going to, on a rather unsatisfactory note, bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on the show at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening.
Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.